Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host. And today I decided to go to Boston and another return guest. Um, again, if you have been not following the podcast for a long time, I think it only goes back 20 episodes in iTunes. So you'll need to go to www.drdonmcdonald.com to get our first interview with my guest, Dr. Peter Kavorkian. And we, we went through his whole story there. So, um, you know, and pretty much everybody knows who he is, but you know, he's, he's uh, has an amazing practice. He's an amazing man. Um, very involved with the ICPA, very involved in Sherman, helped them a lot. He's been involved with many different organizations. And, uh, and today I want him to, and he's actually going to join us in Phoenix on our yes. the, the shift unplugged and do a little bit stuff about technique, which will be a fun share session. So welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Peter Kevorkian. It's an honor to be here, Don. It's great. Uh, I, I, it's so interesting listening to introductions like, okay, what are they going to say now? <laughs> I'll just get right to the point. Almost but he's, embarrassing. He's an amazing dude. But again, it's good. Like, you know, to, to be in practice for 36 to 37 years, we're trying to figure it out exactly before we got on, on the air live. But, uh, you know, you've been so involved. You've been so selfless with your time that you do deserve some accolades. So that's why we want to do it. So. Thank you. Congratulations, and I appreciate everything you've done for the profession. Now, today, we want to get into some technique stuff, because I don't know if anyone out there has ever been adjusted by Peter, but Peter is like one of those master adjusters. So when you get adjusted by him, you can tell it's just, there's like a little extra something, something, something <laughs> that's, uh, that's in that. And, and I thought through, um, you know, 36 to 37 years of practice, um, Dr. Peter's gone through tons of technique courses and every time we meet up with him socially and we're out hanging out, he'll be talking about some cool stories about some of the founders of certain techniques and, uh, and he's very knowledgeable in that. So I thought what would be kind of cool is especially for their younger, uh, graduates or people just really in practice, just to kind of go through, um, Dr. Peter's evolution of technique over his career. And, and this also kind of runs into his class that he teaches for the ICPA, um, which is kind of the, you're, you're kind of like the, the, what do they call that? The fourth hitter in baseball? You're the cleanup clean batter. You're the cleanup clean batter. batter. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the cleanup batter for the, for the ICPA course. So, so uh, yeah, why don't you start off and, and t talk a little bit about kind of how you started with technique and we'll get into some of those stories as we go. Okay, so um, my journey in chiropractic technique uh, probably began even before I went to chiropractic school <clears throat> I, um, on a chiropractic table. The first chiropractor I saw was a very Gonstead practitioner. And when I say Gonstead, I mean, he, for a lot of years, would scope and adjust off of x-rays and was very, very much in, in that orientation. And a very old-time chiropractor that when he adjusted you, he moved them bones. I mean, you <laughs> felt adjusted. I mean, it was like, boom. It was like a powerful, powerful adjuster. Yeah. And so that, that was my introduction to chiropractic. So when I got up to, to Palmer and started school, it's sort of like, that's my whole orientation. I said, oh my God, this is whole other world of chiropractic technique that um, I really knew not, not a whole bunch about, but my whole orientation, uh, even before I started in chiropractic school, was very biomechanical. I was a civil engineer before I was a chiropractor. So my whole understanding uh, in terms of engaging in chiropractic was came from very much of a bone model. You know, you, you want to get the bones aligned properly that, that, you know, even early on in school, I understood the biomechanics of the spine and the importance of a cervical curve and the lumbar curve and centering of the body <clears throat> and all the things that we learned in school. So my whole, uh, um, where I tended to gravitate toward was a very uh, mechanical and biomechanical orientation of, of chiropractic. Uh, so while I was in school, I was very drawn to uh, Beryl Pettibon's work or Don Harrison's work uh, because of their uh, scientific basis of, of, of the curves and the arcs and, 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 and what they were trying to do. And then uh, actually, it, 
early on, I got very, very intrigued by upper cervical work, particularly, uh, and not, not as much BJ's upper cervical of, of toggle, but more NUCA. And the yeah. reason why I love NUCA, now for those that, that don't know, NUCA evolved from Grotstick technique, which evolved from BJ Palmer upper cervical. <clears throat> and they, uh, BJ, when he would determine the a vector which you were going to put a force in looked at the shape of the condyles as they related to the superior articulating surface of axis and realized that how the atlas moved around those circles if you would the condyles and the axis vertebra sort of gave us a, an idea of how we could best uh, put a vector of force into the atlas to make a correction well john grostick <clears throat> senior took that a step further and then uh, ralph gregory worked with john grostick senior that for a lot of years in the Grossick technique, then when he died, there was a big falling out as happens in our profession. And he starts all the time. <laughs> and so I was fascinated by Nuka because of the, the, the detailed analysis and the extremely specific uh, determination of a force vector to put into the, into the Atlas vertebra. And, um, so, so that, that that was my whole draw into. Hey, I did. I learned Palmer package, and I learned Gunstead and Thompson and SOT while I was in school. So I, the, those are the techniques that I got to. But but I love the whole biomechanical orientation. Yeah. So while I was a Palmer, and uh, you know, you, you you wanted me to talk about some of the the people I had met. Well, because of the my draw to the upper cervical work, I wanted to be adjusted by Ralph Gregory, who at that time was alive. So a group of us drove up to Monroe, Michigan. And we go there, and Ralph Gregory, for people who've never met him, Ralph believed that there were um, two kinds of people in the world, himself and the monkeys. I mean, Ralph, Ralph, <laughs> Ralph just, uh, like so many of the technique gurus in our profession, just saw things from such a different vantage point. And he barely would talk to students. I mean, he would, but barely would talk to students. He'd talk to other doctors who were doing the work. And so, like, the students had to earn their their time to be able to have real conversations with Gregory. But uh, the second time I actually went up there, I was wanted to be adjusted by him. So we went up a day earlier before their seminar. And it's one of the most remarkable experiences I've ever had uh, on a chiropractic table. Uh, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with the NUCA technique, um, it, it, it was an evolved force application from toggle recoil. And toggle recoil, the hands are put, you know, uh, your pisiform contacts and you, and you, and you do a, a toggle type of adjustment, a very quick thrust onto the atlas. Grostick developed that into a, a higher arch and then doing a push. And then Greg, Gregory actually made a very flat arch and the, it was less of a push. What he developed was what he called a triceps pull. And what it was is you actually would extend the arm that you would pull the long head of the triceps and that as you pull the long head of the triceps, it would cause the arms to extend. And as the arms extended, but the, 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 the humerus is actually getting pulled back into the socket, the actual distance between the episternal notch and the pisiform didn't change, but you were able to apply a force. And the best way to describe it is like ever see the five balls that are hanging down but strings and you pick yep. up one of the balls, you let go of it, and the ball in the end moves. It's yeah. that idea. It's sort of like you would contact, provide a force into the body, and the atlas would move. Well, they wanted to prove that, so they took pre and post x-rays. <clears throat> so you would take an x-ray, first a lateral cervical to determine the exact attitude of the atlas, and take your second x-ray, which was a nasium to see precisely so you got the perfect projection of the atlas onto the <coughs> onto the x-ray do a painstaking analysis and determine the very precise vector and then apply a force so i go and, and get my x-rays taken and ralph Gregory analyzes them i come back later to get adjusted it was a hot day in michigan i'm lying on his table no air conditioning he has a fan blowing on me and he gets on my atlas makes his <coughs> contact and as he's doing his settle back, which is what you do right, right as you get into position to make sure you're at the proper vector, he lifts his contact. Because I could feel the, the wind blowing under, on, on, the, on my neck as I'm lying on his side posture table to be able to uh, get, get adjusted. And I could feel the, the fan blowing on me. There was space between his hand and my neck. And I hear my atlas go. I actually heard an audible release and he didn't touch me. I got off the table. I never experienced that type of an adjustment. Yeah. I said, Holy crap. I mean, my lights were turned on in a way they never had. 
post x-ray, totally neutral. I, I said, this, uh, I, I, it opened my world to say, oh my God, right? Great. <clears throat> so this is my whole orientation in chiropractic school. I loved biomechanics. I loved the analysis. I loved all that stuff. While I was in school, I met Burl Pettibon, uh, Vern Pierce, uh, uh, Thompson. I mean, it does like all some, some of these great adjusters, right? Yeah. The, the, you got the chance to meet them, but probably the most memorable experience was, was with Ralph Gregory. So I started to practice sort of creating a very uh, um, um, uh, full spine adjusting, but with a very, very high emphasis in upper cervical uh, analysis and adjustment. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I was associated initially in the doctor's office who I was seeing when I went to chiropractic school. So I, I didn't get to practice my upper cervical love uh, in a Gonstead-based practice, although I tended to emphasize upper cervical. That was, uh, it was very much a Gonstead full spine practice. So I, I, I sort of melded into that practice as best as I could. Uh, th then I, I meet my wife, uh, Patty Giuliano, who uh, practiced a in a very different model. Uh, she did what I called the foo-foo techniques. You know, like, <laughs> hey, and biotoning and SFD. And I, I used to call that stuff, when I was a student, I used to call that stuff voodoo crap. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so, so she starts, <clears throat> I, we, we start connecting and I begin to see the value of that window into the physiology and the spine. Not as much looking at bones, but beginning to develop sensitivity toward other aspects of uh, the spine, uh, the tension along the dura, the movement of the cerebrospinal fluid, and, 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 and other neurological relationships that, that, that were there, uh, that were existing in, in people. And I saw that those interventions or that type of approach could make effects upon the body. And more than making effects on the body, were more appropriate for some people than mm -hmm. taking a very biomechanical approach. So in the process of my evolution, I then began to open my sphere and to say, okay, maybe it's not just about the bone. Maybe there is uh, another pathway of how we can look at the, the, the neurology. So shortly after meeting with her, I began to study a lot of SOT. I went out to Omaha, learned their, uh, the, the, the process of uh, SOT categories, uh, as well as cranial work. Marty Rosen was a good friend of mine who was very, 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 very connected into uh, SOT. And so I really began to develop my skills in being able to palpate and sense that intervention. And so it began to become a marriage of, of that. And, and uh, during that time, I also took a seminar with Vern Pierce, uh, to, to a postgraduate seminar and begin to get that model in terms of being very specific from a, from a, a, a full spine standpoint. And then in practice, after about uh, five years, uh, I take a seminar with Donnie Epstein and he totally rocks my world. Uh, yeah. Donnie, Donnie opens up a whole new window in terms of appreciation of not just the spine and the adjustment, but in terms of the impact that we're making into the human experience uh, through, through the spine. <clears throat> and uh, Donnie, you know, I, I, so I, my, my journey was very biomechanical, moving into a very uh, neurological, dural world. And then I go experience Donnie Epstein, who sort of like takes, an, it takes the lid off of it. Um, probably the greatest thing that Donnie taught me, and if I could leave the listeners with anything, is much of how chiropractors are taught technique and even practice technique is we take people and we try to fit them within our technique. That, right. that you, you have a protocol that, that are the guidelines of that particular technique, you know, short leg, fixation, break on an instrument, whatever, whatever it is, you're going to fit the person to that technique, determine what your intervention is going to be, and then you fix it. And Donnie's uh, comment, which has stayed with me for, oh God, 25, 30 years now, rather than trying to fit people into our technique, what our job should be is to take our technical knowledge and mold them to the needs of that person and their physiology. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that, that opened a whole new dimension of how I began to engage with uh, my chiropractic art form uh, with people that I didn't even try to fit them into the network model 
at that point. You know, I did, I did Donnie's work for a period of time and I said, this, this dance doesn't really work for me either, but let me take and let's, let's see how it can mold to the needs of that person. And some people are going to do much better with a very subtle touch. Some people are going to do much better with a very mechanical cavitation type thrust. Some, sometimes we need to develop our sensitivity to a person's physiology. Um, one, one of the things that I encourage doctors to look for or to begin to have a, a perspective of, I should say, is rather than viewing that what an adjustment is doing is fixing something, yeah. realigning something, or restoring something, but what's happening is that the spine is holding an experience. Mm -hmm. And it's holding that experience that it couldn't integrate a process the moment that it occurred. That when something happens to the body that the body can't fully assimilate or integrate, into the physiology that it will probably subluxate. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, you're driving a car and you see an accident happen in front of you and all of a sudden you slam your foot on the brake, you smash into the person in front of you, you get a whiplash accident, but even before the whiplash accident, you go, <laughs> and you hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> that whole experience is impacted into the neurology. And the body can't process that. It, it overwhelms that body. And it, the body then subluxates itself in an, effort to, in an effort to try to adapt to it, but it can't. So it holds that experience in the neuroskeleton. Mm -hmm. And then it carries that experience from that moment into another point in time. And so it's holding an experience, both physical trauma, emotional trauma, potentially chemical trauma, all, all happening right at that moment that the body is hanging on to. And I believe that as we then engage in our connection with that person's spine, rather than trying to fix something that's there, what we're trying to do is to provide a force into the spine that the body can recognize that trauma and learn from the experience. Mm -hmm. Adjustment more than a, a, a realigning or restoring is an educational process, that it's a learning process, that it's a process that the, that the physiology begins to recognize an experience that it couldn't process, that it couldn't adapt to, that it's hanging on to. And that what we're trying to do is put a force into that system to allow the brain to begin to say, oh, that's what that was all about. So it can then dissipate the force that it's been storing in there. And then in the process, it'll realign, it'll bring movement back, it'll open up the breath, it'll reduce tension in the dura. So rather than us viewing that what we're doing with adjustments fixing something mm -hmm. in the spine, what we're really doing is allowing the body to learn about its experiences that it couldn't process. Does that make mm -hmm. sense, Don? hundred percent. And what it just, and for people who are listening to the podcast, you can't see this, but on Peter's shelf, he has all the green books behind him, which is a very beautiful site. He has them all very nice and organized, but I was thinking of a trauma would be like when you can't process it at the time, the nervous system almost puts it like a book on the bookshelf and it just stores it there. And when we do that adjustment, it at a different time, when we're able to process it better, it brings your attention to it. Right. So that you can actually you can do something about it. Yeah, chiropractors very often uh, say that they're restoring people back to health. And, and on multiple levels, I don't think that's a philosophically congruent statement. I also don't believe that it's a physiologically accurate statement. Mm -hmm. uh, the body never goes back to a place that it was. You, uh, our body moves, continues to move forward in time and takes every life experience that we've had and learns from that experience. So yeah. when you become subluxated and you've experienced things in a subluxated state, you, you, and then you begin to offer the body an opportunity to allow that subluxation process to dissipate from the body. The body has to reorganize itself. And it's yeah. never going to forget that experience. It, right. It's going to continue to build upon that experience so that your, your neurology is actually in a different place than it's ever been. Uh, so so uh, we're never restoring anybody back to anything. All we're doing is taking the experiences that are in there and allowing the body to integrate that so it can vibrate at a higher level and be at a greater level of adaptability in, in, in their life experience. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. And, and so now, um, and again, we, I actually just finished doing an interview with uh, Dr. Kelty Warren and uh, uh -huh. she, she was with us at the Transformers Mastermind right. and, and, and she, she was saying how you're teaching her how to breathe, breathe with someone. And, uh -huh. and so, so I was wondering if you can give some tips for, for chiropractors on, on what they can do to just to sharpen up that te technique a little bit. Um, yeah, 
so first, uh, the first thing I'm going to recommend is, uh, for most chiropractors, <clears throat> is to begin to look at a person's breath <clears throat> and to look at it and to feel it. And you can actually witness when people lie on the table, particularly initially on in care, that if a spine has become subluxated for a, 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 an extended period of time, and most adults, and a person breathes on the table, you don't see the thoracic cage move a lot. Right. Very often, the thoracic cage stays very, very flat. And where you see the movement is in the occiput and the sacrum. Right? Yeah. You see the ends of the spine moving a little bit. And you don't see that well, much of the body stays very, very flat. Our immediate sense when we feel rigidity in the body and something isn't moving, oh, I got to get movement in there. And what I, I recommend for people is first try to bring the breath in there. Mm -hmm. the, the, the breath is something... They can only happen in the moment. And the body is not aware of a part of the body if there is no movement in that area. So if you're breathing, there's no movement, even subtle movement that you can feel with your fingers in an area, don't go pushing into that area, particularly with the structural force. Yeah. And sometimes you just bring breath into the air. All you need to do is touch an area. You know? and, and I believe a lot of the tonal techniques wrap that into their uh, analysis you know, yeah. just allowing people to discover where they've been holding areas and they with a very light touch and people then bring their attention to that area. When you bring your attention to that area, you're going to tend to breathe in that area. So uh, I recommend to chiropractors, I said, don't put a manual force into any area that you don't see or feel motion when the person breathes. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. The most powerful techniques in our, that have been developed usually engage at the upper cervical area or in the sacral area. And those are the areas that tend to always maintain the breath when a person breathes because they are so critical Great. to the body's awareness on a neurological level. The brain wants that, needs to have that. The brain uses loads and loads of, uh, gets loads and loads of data from the upper cervical region, the number of mechanoreceptors and proprioceptors, and the superior articulating surface of atlas, uh, uh, of axis and atlas. There's an incredible amount of neurology there. Plus what's going on in the sacroiliac joint, the body's integrating that data all day long to figure out how to hold you, move you, <clears throat> and is such a critical part to our lives. So you tend to see the breath in those areas. That's why those areas are two primary areas of intervention, why it makes such powerful change. But particularly other areas of the spine, I'm going to recommend don't just go pounding into those areas if you feel it rigid until you can bring in the breath into that area. Mm -hmm. Something we're seeing an awful lot of nowadays, not just uh, my practice, but everywhere. Um, there have been so many emotional wounds that have happened in people's lives. Uh, people have closed off their hearts yeah. and, and uh, they've had to for their own survival. And so that's an area of the body that very often becomes very, very rigid. The thoracic cage becomes so protected, so guarded on an emotional level that there's no breath in that area. And mm -hmm. sometimes it can take weeks, months before some people are really ready to have that area open up and to have forces put into that area. And very often, if we're too aggressive with it, we hurt people or, or, or people feel so uh, uh, almost violated. They feel very, very vulnerable. That Those areas need to be dealt with at an appropriate time to allow the person to become more aware of that area before he put forces in there. And I know Donnie, for a lot of years, would say you shouldn't go adjusting the thoracic spine at all. Uh, now, I don't know if his reasons are the same as I'm, I'm processing here, but, but I believe that until the breath is in an area, you don't want to put a mechanical force into an area. <clears throat> and so that's just, just, just observation and, and just, just palpating and just right. like looking, eh, just to make sure things are moving. <clears throat> so what's, what, tell us a little bit about the, um, the state you're at right now. So like all the way up to this point. No, 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 not the yeah. We're doing great. By the way, the, the Red Sox are in the World Series. Yep. You know, we're doing really, really well. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we just beat Boston the last time, but we lost the first time in the orders. Yeah. So that was good. But like right now when you're when are are you just do you just flex back and forth between biomechanical and tonal? Uh, and um <clears throat> or do you have a, just a blender? It's, it's, it's a very eclectic blend. You know, I'm, I'm very much a full spine adjuster. Mm -hmm. um, the level of engagement that I'll have when somebody, particularly when a new person lies on the table, is coming more into a place of inquisition than it is a place of uh, clinical intervention. Uh, so, so I... My words, I mean, I don't say these words, but, but this is the space that I live. As I begin to come into a relationship with a person's spine, I say, how can I serve you today? 
How can I love you today? How can we connect today? And, and sometimes it'll be that I'll just put my hands on the person and breathe with them for a couple of cycles. Sometimes I'll cross their leg over and, and just have them bring attention to their sacroiliac joint or find an area where it isn't moving and begin to do that. Uh, sometimes the person will lie on the table and they're just like, I'm here, I'm ready, do me. I, I want to get adjusted and I'll, I'll just start structurally adjusting them. So it's very, very much a, a dance and a very different dance there was actually a chiropractor who came in today to get adjusted in my office. And they, they saw me adjust maybe a half a dozen people before they got on the table. He says, so interesting watching you. You never do the same thing to every, you know, do something different to everybody. I said, mm -hmm. well, that's because people need a very different experience. It's not all the same. Right. And how did you, how did you learn that? Like, how, how, how did you, like, I know it's, it's not like you just learned it in one second, but like, how, how did you become aware of that because if you're coming from in the past where you're very like the biomechanical like it would be pretty easy if you're doing gone study just do x-ray analysis and you're going to adjust what you found and then and then how did you kind of blend into that i think a lot of it happened on in terms of my experience on a table um you between the i i've been adjusted by the gamut i've been adjusted you know full spine heavy manual adjusting uh you know the, the hefo technique where you hit every friggin one you know <laughs> I mean, I've been at that end and I've been very, very light tonal touches, no manual or structural adjusting. Uh, and I've been under consistent care, been under SOT care, Thompson care, uh, network care, uh, BGI, let's uh, um, Pierce. I mean, so I've experienced upper cervical care, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I've had various experiences and, and the people that I felt connected with me, with Peter, um, as a being made the most powerful impacts into my life that it was less the technique, yeah. but it was more that person connecting with Peter, the person and the Peter, the person is actually who's in that spine that it's not just, it's not just a bunch of bones and a bunch of nerves and a bunch of organs, but that there's a beingness in there. And so when I came into recognition that when we're providing a force into that person's body, it, it, it's not just a clinical thing we're doing, but it's a level of engagement, of intimacy. Mm -hmm. um, where did that happen? I'm going to say probably somewhere between eight, nine, 10 years in practice. It's sort of like really made a shift <clears throat> in terms of, of how I began to engage. <clears throat> so I, I applaud and, and I'm forever grateful for the technique masters whose feet I learned at. Um, you know, Donnie Epstein, obviously, uh, you know, Ralph Gregory and uh, Pettibon and Harrison and, and Pierce and, and all made a powerful influence upon me. But I, I've sort of like taken a creative Peters engagement and, and nobody else can do what I do. And Don, nobody can do what you do. And I don't, I don't believe that it's a technique that we have to master. We need to be masters of our lives and engaging in, in using that technique to become a master of engagement with the person. And the best metaphor that I can give, it's, um, it's like sex. Okay. And, and I don't mean this in, 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 a, in, a, in a cruel way at all or, or to be offensive to anybody. But I mean, the biology of sex in a heterosexual relationship is you take the penis, you put it in the vagina, you rub it around for a while and it feels good. Yeah. But that isn't sex. You know, that, that, that's not, there, there, there's no intimacy. There's no connectedness. There's no, uh, the, 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 the power of making love with your partner is it, it raises the level of vibration of the physiology to, to an unbelievable space, physically, emotionally, chemically, spiritually. It, it's a very high level of vibration, but it happens at a level of connectedness. You don't pre-prescribe how you're going to make love with your partner. It's a process that evolves in, in moments of intimacy. I believe the same thing happens on a chiropractic table in a non-sexual way. Mm -hmm. That it is equally as intimate an experience, non-sexually, that you know, a human, two human beings have come together for a moment to share an experience. And it's not just the doctor doing something. It is an engagement of two human beings coming together. And that the adjustment is actually a sacred act. Mm -hmm. it's, it, and, and when you hold that space, it's no longer, oh, I know what's right and I'm going to fix you. But it's more like, I'm here to serve you. And in that place of service, I can love you. 
and and in a place of loving it, it, it it doesn't need to be at all in a sexual way but i can be there to be totally connected into who you be as a person and to to do something that is honoring to your physiology that allows your physiology to, to come into a greater state of ease and function and adaptability and how i'm going to do it is going to be different than how don's going to do it how patty's going to do it how anybody's going to do it mm-hmm. but it comes in terms of you need to go through the rigor of developing your um your technical musculature, if you will. You know, you need to go through the process of learning the technique and learning the discipline and learning the, the analysis and learning that spinal model, whatever resonates to you. But then when you come into engagement with that person, you almost need to allow that analysis, that algorithm to let go. You know, we learn chiropractic in our left brain in the right. algorithm, you short leg, evens on flexion, cervical syndrome, taut and tender fibers, fixation. And you, 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 you learn it in algorithm, but the manner in which you adjust somebody is in your right brain. Mm-hmm. You satisfy the left brain so it can step out of the way. So your right brain, your intuitive side, your connected side, your, the, 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 uh, uh, powerful bond that human beings have that transcends the ability to articulate it uh, is allowed to connect with that physiology and does the right thing to allow that body to move into a better place. That's cool. Now, if you have listeners out there that might go, Oh my gosh, I'm totally in my left brain. I'm, I'm totally doing the algorithm. <laughs> what, what kind of steps what might you have just that they can start to get into that right brain when they're, when they're adjusting, like whether it's like a ritual for the day or just, what, what kind of ideas would you have to help someone get over, bump over to the right side? <laughs> well, uh, the best metaphor is uh, yeah. think about making love with your partner. Okay. <laughs> In that space, you're not thinking about the algorithm. You, right. you, you're thinking about experience. And uh, so one of the things that I ask my students to do is to imagine what it's like to be on the other side of your hands. Mm-hmm. When you're palpating someone, you know, think about how it feel, how, how would it feel at that moment to have your hands on you? You know, what, what, what is that person perceiving as you are beginning to touch them? So, so it becomes less about, I'm going to figure out what's wrong, but more about what are they experiencing as I'm here? So, so you actually put your, your thoughts inside of their beingness. So, so that you get a sense as to what's, what, 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 am I, what are they experiencing? And I think in that space, you begin to then let go of your stuff and begin to say, where do they want me to touch them? Where do they need to be connected? Where do they need to have more awareness? Where do they, where, where do they need to let go of something? How can I support them in that process? So rather than trying to, to, to fix it and be the doctor, just to think about where they be mm-hmm. okay so i guess that, that, that's the first step um you can always jump back into your left brain yeah but but every once in a while head on over to the right side and think about connecting with a person's spine and developing a relationship with that person's spine um there are times that just about all of us have been doing our evaluation on someone that you're about ready to adjust them and you, it could be a thoracic prone adjustment. It might be a side posture adjustment. It might be a supine cervical modified rotary brake adjustment. You're about ready to put the thrust in. And, and you get a sense, if you're really paying attention, you get a sense of like, I don't think it's going to move. You know, we, we, we've all yeah. had that, right? Yeah. And we're there and about ready to do it. And then, then we go through this internal struggle in our minds. That, but everything says it's a left atlas. You know, it's a short leg, it's fixated, the x-ray, everything. well, you know, it's got to move <clears throat> and you go and you put a force in, it's like hitting a concrete wall. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, that moment, that juncture that's there, I think th- there's a level of intuition. There's a level of, of, of the physiology is talking to you. We need to listen to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about uh, trying to see what's wrong and fixing it, but what's the physiology telling me? You know, what, what's it showing me? Um, you know, you, you own a dog, Lux. Right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever walked into your house and looked over at Lux, and he's not even looking at you, right? And you could just tell something's wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you know? Yeah. A parent very often doesn't even need to see their kid. They know that there's something that's not right. We all have perceptual abilities that transcend 
any one of the five senses. It's not necessarily something you see or hear or smell, taste or touch, but yet you know that there's something that just isn't right. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's that space that I'm asking chiropractors to trust and come into. I believe that we all have a very, very powerful intuitive sense that we need to pay attention to because I don't care what technique you use, what system of analysis you use, or what type of force application that you utilize, the, the body is always giving you back information. The person's physiology is giving you information that we need to pay attention to. And sometimes it's, it, 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 I can't even give you a, a, a logic in terms of understanding. Um, but to pay attention to that, pay attention to what you're sensing inside your gut. But I think that's a really good example, though, because I think everybody's had that where they're like, oh, I don't think this is going to go like right in the last second, right before you're going to do it. And and then or and you know what? This is funny because uh, this also happens if you're ever golf. I've done this tons before in your putting (laughs) and right before you're going to hit, you're like, this is totally or a drive or something. Right. That's those are those little times, right, where you go just back off, shake it off, come back in and look at it at a different angle. Different angle. There's a slightly different perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, first, you know. Do you have, um, do you have like a routine or, or like I was just talking with another younger chiropractor the other day and I said, as we, as we become, as we get more into practice, we almost become like a pro athlete where, you know, you get ready for the day, you have your routine, you kind of make sure you like, for me, I'm like, I have good sleep the night before I make sure I'm having my good food. I have all my stuff. Like I'm setting everything up so that we stay consistent so that we're not just on some days and off some days and kind of like not, you know, not paying attention is there any tips that you have for younger chiropractors on how to start that well i think that we um much of what we begin to do within our lives and i will say for me early on is you go through disciplines and Mm -hmm. what i've learned is very often uh, disciplines are always uh energy draining Mm-hmm. Not always, but potentially. Because yeah. you're creating a new pattern, so you have to actually. Right, you different... go through those disciplines. Yeah. When a discipline becomes a ritual, it becomes part of your life. Right. And, and it's purely empowering. Um, my favorite rituals, and, and this changes. I mean, I can't say that I do this every day, 365 days a year, but my, my rituals, what I love, is I, I'm an early riser. I'll usually get up 4.15, 4.30. And the first thing that I like to do is, is move my body. So it's yep. my, it's my time of exercise and sometimes it'll be, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, sometimes it'll be as much as 30 minutes. Um, part of that is, is going to be by the dictates of my, my day. Yeah. Uh, sometimes as much as 45 minutes. So that, that'll depend on, on where I'm at. If it's a day that I need to be in the office early or not. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'll take a good uh, five, 10 minutes and do some type of stretching. Um, you know, the, uh, either yoga stretches or, or, running stretches, something just to get, make sure that all the joints of my body have, have gone through uh, motion. Then I like to take uh, 10 minutes of uh, meditative time. So I just sit and meditate and, and I've done many types of meditation in my life and the space that I'm at right now is coming into a meditation of actually creating my day of actually seeing what that day is going to look like, seeing the people that are going to be in my practice, uh, seeing you know, people uh, loving getting adjusted, loving being in my space, loving my staff, uh, lo- 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 you know, get, getting hugs and kids being happy. So I actually get mental pictures in my mind of actual people being in my space and, and, and creating the, the day. And one of the pictures that I, I like to leave with is what am I going to look like at the end of the day? you know, uh, to become energized. And, and uh, if I know what I'm doing that evening, if I'm going to go out to dinner, you'll see myself being out to dinner with friends, having a great time. So I actually grow through mental pictures of, of what I want to create in the day. <clears throat> then I'll uh, you know, take a shower and get ready for my day. I'm in the office usually by six o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, those are the days that I'm serving. I think that's so good too, because we've worked with a lot of people before where <clears throat> sometimes you'll hear different speakers say like, you have to have this routine and you have to do this in the morning and they have to be very rigid about it. And I think the key thing is that, you know, you can try, you can borrow it, like borrow somebody's, but then analyze it yourself to see if that's actually good for you. Because right. we've, we've had people we've worked with where we're like, you actually like change that routine because they didn't, they didn't actually get what the, the we always have to remember, we would need to get the result intent from it, not just do it. Right, right, right. Sometimes, you know, and uh, actually I can thank your wife for this one. That There are times <laughs> that uh, I'm uh, recognizing that I need more rest and sleep and to honor that space. That There have been times that I've gotten up and, and, and I've, I've 
gone into my routine and not necessarily given my body the opportunity to fully recover. Uh, the last couple of months have been crazy in terms of my travel schedule and, and things I've had to juggle professionally. And two weeks straight, I've been home. And I was actually mentioning to my staff person today, uh, she says, boy, you, 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 you're like, you're as energized now as you were this morning. And I said, I said, I feel, I finally feel like I'm really back in my body. You know, I'm yeah. back into my rituals and my routines. And, and it's like, I'm a hundred percent like, yeah, this is what, uh, Boston time, 840 at night, usually 840 at night. I don't have this level of energy. You know, I sometimes I don't, I'm, I'm ready to go. Crash. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. I totally agree. And again, it's tough when you have a schedule because when you travel quite a bit, just like us, you end up like not having your schedule because it's, it's actually easy to get on those routines when you're in your home base. So absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, there are times when, um, I will try to get up and you know, time to start, start my routine. I said, no, you need another 30 minutes of sleep, Peter. And yeah. so I'll forego doing the other stuff to get the rest because I think uh, rest is an important part of any aspect of our lives. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that's so funny because Brandy's taught me that too because Brandy is totally like the rest queen because she's so disciplined with her rest because she, she, she wants to be at a certain level of energy and she knows in order, the only way to have that is to get a rest. Get a rest. So. So it's so funny is that in the last probably about four or five years, I've, I've, my, my average sleep, especially on a full adjusting day is for sure nine to 10 hours sleep. Like, and I, I always used to be like a seven or eight hour guy and I always used to be a little bit tired and then you have to like, you know, work that little extra amount to be really present right. with your people because you're just, a, you just burnt the candle at both ends. And, uh, and, and for me too, that made a huge difference is just make sure I get those, that, that really good night's sleep before we got our long days. I, one of my key barometers is uh, if at three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon, if I'm saying, Jay, maybe I should get a cup of coffee. And, and coffee is not, I'm not a huge coffee, you know, uh, I, I need it to wake up, but I love coffee. But there are times when your physiology says coffee, right? And that has like not been there for the last five days, six days. So that I know my body is right back in my routine. That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. So listen to your body folks. Now I want to just talk the last little bit about, um, you know, the ICPA and, um, and the course that you do, because like I said, you're, you're the, you're the, the roundup Clean up batter. Clean up batter. At, at, at the moment, actually we're having conversations of maybe changing that, but it has been for, Oh God, 15 years. And, uh, it will be for at least the next year or so. I'll be the last course of the ICPA program. The, the, the ICPA for people that are not familiar with it is the international chiropractic pediatric association. Started by Larry Webster back in the 1980s, and it was the first uh, program that was actually established for training, postgraduate training, and taking care of children. Uh, the program now has three divisions to it. There is the postgraduate training and certification program. The certification program is 14 classes, uh, plus two research projects that are part of that. Uh, after the 14 classes and the requirements that need to be fulfilled, you get a certification by the IACPA. If people want to do further study for another uh, year and a half, two years with a, a, a doing a couple of research articles, writing a, uh, an article, uh, another exam, taking a few more classes, you can become a diplomat. Uh, so the, the bar actually gets set really, really high uh, for the diplomat. Um, I teach one of the classes in the certification program, which are 14 modules. And the 14 modules cover everything from obstetrical care. We have two obstetrical classes, a number of techniques. There are like five techniques that are taught as part of the program. Uh, a class in neurology, uh, subluxation neurology, in um, um, uh, neurological uh, disorders, uh, nutrition, immunology. Uh, mine is the class that's tried to pull it all together. Uh, when the class was first created, I called it technical integration. Uh, how do you integrate the various techniques together? Uh, most of the techniques that we are ever taught are taught of their own system. It's mm -hmm. taught as Thompson protocol or Logan basic protocol or uh, a Gonstep protocol. And that's how many of the techniques are taught within the ICPA program. We have very few chiropractors practice like that. Right. Uh, so the class is trying to how do you how do you create an integration of the technical systems that you know to create an honoring package for that person? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the essence of of, of the class. Um, the class tries to hold a space for a lot of things. A portion of the class is philosophical, but it's looking at philosophy not as much in terms of the 
the academic aspects of the philosophy, but how does this philosophy really give us the window of how we should be looking at our engagement in our practice, our engagement into technique, our engagement into communication. Uh, and then science, uh, again, less about the neurology as much as how can we use the science from our philosophical perspective to understand what's happening with this phenomenon that we call a civilization. Mm-hmm. And then I build an understanding of the engagement, particularly with children and infants, of how do you do an analysis? How do you engage with a child and develop a relationship with their spine? There's part of relationship that has that we see and talk to people, but I believe that as we adjust people, we're developing another level of relationship and connection, uh, particularly with infants and babies. How do you develop that level of connection and intimacy with children? and then develop an honoring technique and protocol to adjust them. And so I'll review a number of the things they've learned over the previous year and a half in my class. I'll touch, I try to pull from every one of the classes so that it lives in there. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll actually do hands-on in the class and review some of the stuff they've learned and try to bring it to another level. And then we do a couple of hours of practice management, you know, consultation, report of findings, finding to plan, things of that sort. So it's a, it's a jam-packed class. It's lots and lots of fun. Yeah, totally. But so anybody- that's division one of ICPA okay, that I teach a class in. We also have a whole other division in research. Uh, Joel Alcantara heads our research division. Joel has done more research, uh, published more papers in uh, a vitalistic model, a salutogenic model of chiropractic practice than all the chiropractic colleges put together in the last three years. And he's, he, he's a machine. And then the third aspect of it is, is public education. We have a number of public education materials. Uh, Pathways Magazine is the cornerstone of that, um, which is a publication that we ICPA produces uh, for patients to understand uh, our perception, not just in terms of chiropractic application, but in terms of that uh, chiropractic value structure and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so what's the, what's the website? Uh, ICPA, number four, kids.com. That is the doctor website. In other words, for doctors to go to to get information, ICPA letters, ICPA, number four, kids, K-I-D-S, dot com is for the doctors. And the um, patients is the same thing, ICPA4kids.org. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and the only other thing I was going to just say before we uh, finish off is um, on uh, June 7th and 8th, we're doing our second round of our Transformers Mastermind in Toronto. Awesome. And, and uh, so we did it this summer for the first time. And, and I was just wondering if, you can, if you'd maybe just share some words on your experience on running it with me and Brandy and, and, and how you enjoyed it. Okay, so, so that, that was an incredible weekend on a lot of levels, uh, a <laughs> lot of levels. Uh, first, to connect with that group. How many of us were there? Eight, nine of us that yeah. were in that room together? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the concept actually Brandy came up with, Transformers as in the Transformers movies. Yes. And um, I, uh, y- you were Bumblebee. Yeah. She was Optimus Prime. Yeah. And I was, uh, uh, oh God, no wiki. Quick wiki. Quick wiki. Quick wiki. And if, if you've not seen the movies, it's not important. But the whole aspect is about finding your... Uh, light what's it called the the uh, all spark all spark all spark spark, (laughs) and that all spark lives in all of us uh chiropractors refer to it as that life force that innate intelligence that animates all matter and expresses life in matter uh to allow the expression of that all spark in in what people do And, and the goal of what the transformers mastermind weekend was to Find what is interfering with the ideal expression of that all spark in individuals' lives. And the three of us, Brandy, Dawn, and myself, uh, were able to take our talents and gifts of how to um, find those barriers and become aware of them and various tools to break through to allow that to come out within our lives. And I'm going to say that the connectedness that we had with this group was extraordinary the experience was extraordinary and I, part of me says and says oh my god when you get to do this again how exciting and yeah. the, 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 that's the the initial reactions and then the second one is how could this be any better i mean that, that yeah, was how could you a, beat it yeah how could it be any better <laughs> it, 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 on a certain level it's like it's like having a child <coughs> yeah. you, know, you, you give birth and you love this baby more than anything in the world and then you have a second kid and you say how could I ever love this kid as, as much as my first? And, and you do, you know, it's, it's, it's not as, I know it's going to be in a great, incredible time. So uh, if you're listening and you want to come join uh, Brandy, Don and Peter have like one hell of a great time and, and uh, 
take some of your crap and, and put it right in front of your face and say, I don't need this here anymore and get tools to wipe it away. It's, it, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And for people, again, that's at www.trueconceptseminars.com. And then just look for that Toronto mastermind link uh, on again, June 7th and 8th in Toronto downtown. We have a beautiful little uh, conference room. Oh, perfect place. Perfect place. And then the last thing, if you want to hang out with us one more time, we've got the shift unplugged that we're going yes. to be down in Phoenix and in, in Scottsdale in June 15th, 16th. So that's on the same website. And so I think that might be the next time I see you. Well, no, not, not June. Isn't that February? Oh, sorry. February. That's the February. February, is the, February 15th, 16th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15th, 16th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. June 7th, 8th is the, the mastermind. February 15th, 16th is in Phoenix. Yeah. Good. So that might be the next time I get to see you. Probably will be. Probably because we're all traveling and busy. So, so. To wrap it up, what are your, your final words of wisdom for the underdog nation out there, for people who, um, you know, just kind of a little stagnant or, or what, what is inspiring? What's coming through you to inspire? I, I, I believe that all of us, uh, the moment that we're conceived, uh, are given a, a special gift uh, and something special that we need to bring into the world. And nobody knows what that is. I don't know what that is. Uh, you know, for, some, for some people, it's, it's to be a chiropractor. For other people, it's to be a mom. For other people, it's to bake apple pie. I don't know what that, that gift that you have, that I have. To, but whatever that is, uh, don't hold it back. Uh, allow yourself to express it in everything. Speak your truth. Live in your truth. Work in yourself. Allow yourself to be – draw and, and bring yourself into a place that bring you joy, happiness, fulfillment within your life. Trust your intuition. I'm going to have one hell of a time. Amen. So for everybody out there, again, thanks very much, Peter. You're awesome. You're rock. It was an honor. Thank you. And uh, for everybody out there, I think this was uh, this is beneficial for me. Even like it's just it's great always to talk about technique and 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 really it's not about a technique. It's about your technique. And so it's really about getting getting connected with the person, giving that little extra something to an adjustment is that present time consciousness. And uh, and with that, get your heck get the your butt out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.